Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. We're going to read from John's Gospel in just a second. I just want to remind you sort of of where we are as a church together with this passage and others in John. We're in a worship series for Eastertide called Who's on First? And we're looking at Jesus's identity as conveyed through metaphor in John's Gospel. And we're letting those metaphors correspond to the seven habits or practices or aspirations of Galileo Church's co-conspiracy. About that co-conspiracy, on May 23rd, that's Pentecost Sunday this year, we'll be celebrating our congregational birthday. We are eight years old. And hearing the invitation for one year of prioritizing Galileo Church's mission. That invitation to become a co-conspirator for one year at a time is open to absolutely everyone, and we want to make sure that we have said what we think that means concretely. And so each year we take time out to talk about these seven practices, as in, here is what you would actually do if you were a co-conspirator with Galileo Church. You can find all seven, the whole set, by the way, on our website under This Is Us. You just pull down to Join the Conspiracy, and it'll put you through to a place where you can read all about it. And for tonight, the practice that we'll be paying attention to is participation in the church's discernment for our next steps together. The context for this reading from John's Gospel in chapter 14 is this. Jesus has traveled from Galilee in the north to Judea in the south, that part of his homeland, and he has spent time in Bethany, in a little town just outside of Jerusalem, where he raised Lazarus from the dead and has been anointed for his burial by a woman whose name we don't know. And he has staged a satirical parade into Jerusalem, accompanied by many of his followers and all his best friends. He has confronted the very religious people in that city, and he has confronted Judas during a Passover meal shared in a rented room after washing Judas's feet along with all the other disciples. And now, in John 14, Jesus is talking. He's talking a lot. He's talking like someone who knows he's just got limited time to get a lot of things said. So his closest friends are feeling no small anxiety concerning what he is preparing them for. And that's where we pick up with Jesus talking in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way there? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you'll know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you don't, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these. Because I'm going to the Father. I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything... I'll do it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The singular technological advance that has changed my life immeasurably for the better is the widespread and basically free availability of the global positioning system. Thanks be to God. Also known as GPS wherein U.S. government satellites provide accurate geolocation anywhere on the planet as long as there is an unobstructed view of at least four of them. We use GPS not mostly to figure out where we are on the planet, but to plot a route from wherever here is to wherever we want to go. And it is so very, very important to me because I am navigationally challenged. Case in point, I can get catastrophically lost in a doctor's office. I mean, they take you from a wide open waiting room into a nefarious claustrophobic warren of nests. Every door, just like the door before it and the door after it, twists and turns in narrow hallways that make no sense to my brain. And when they are done with you behind one of those doors, they turn you out into the maze of hallways and say cheerily, see you next time not noticing that I have broken out in a cold sweat as a result of having no idea if a left or right turn will land me back in the sunlit waiting room or take me further into the depths of the architectural hell they've created. I literally have nightmares about being lost in doctor's offices. Most people trying to be helpful will gesture vaguely in a direction and say, that away. But the deeply empathic souls who 
recognize my particular brand of helplessness, will step just in front of me and say, this way, you sweet, simple soul. And they will lead me gently home, or at least to the waiting room, from whence I can usually find my car and turn on ways and let the US government satellites, thanks be to God, take me all the way to my own driveway. I feel like it might help us hear Jesus's I am metaphor in John 14. If we picture me dithering helplessly my way through endless hallways in hopes of rescue. Jesus, in this case, is the kindly, if slightly baffled, nursing assistant who finds me there, takes me by the hand, and leads me to the exit that I so desperately seek. Baffled, I say, because I have been to this office so many times before. Baffled, I say, because all the signs should be pointing me in the right direction. Baffled, because my anxiety means I really still haven't got it after all this time and all this help. But kindly enough not to leave me to figure it out on my own. So there's Jesus in John 14 with his dearest friends, his brave companions of the road, the band of siblings who have coalesced around his proclamation and demonstration of the reign of God. And he's telling them, he's been telling them that he's got to go. He won't be with them anymore. And it's fine. They'll be fine. And they are saying, in so many words, we will not be fine. This is not fine. Please stop saying it's fine. Thomas, in verse 5, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know how to get there? Philip, in verse 8, can't you give us something more to go on? God still seems an awfully long way away. Now, we have talked a bit about how John's gospel is not really like the other three, partly because it came together later, meaning that John's memories of Jesus had morphed and melded with the context of the community that held them, the community of transmission expressing its own anxieties by the stories they repeated to each other. It's entirely plausible to me that we can hear, recognize that early church's fear of being lost forever in the maze of life, unable to advance toward the heart of God without a strong sense of direction and without their trusted guide. In this case, John, their community founder, to lead them home. It's a fear that many of you have expressed to me in quiet conversation, that you've lost your way, a way that used to seem so clear. It all used to make sense to me, you've said. All the do's and don'ts the church taught me, all the requirements, all the prohibitions, all the necessities of the good Christian life. We knew what to do to earn God's favor and avoid God's wrath. We might screw it up sometimes, but it wasn't for lack of clarity. And we confess to each other, 
There was comfort in the clarity. Christian faith was a destination with intelligible, uncomplicated instructions for daily living, a straight path, if you will, a narrow path, no twists or turns, no surprises around any corners. If we're being honest, we still miss it sometimes. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And if we can reimagine Thomas as a late modern recovering fundagelical, we can see that he is us right at that point where the deconstruction process has been very successful. He doesn't just not know the way. He doesn't even know the destination. GPS will not help him now. There is no there toward which to navigate from here. And no, no, I do not think Thomas or Jesus, either one, is talking about going to heaven, about a metaphysical geographical journey to another place that could be mapped by satellites beyond our skies. I think they're both bumping up against the limits of human language to say something like, where does this all go? What is it all about? What am I doing here? And how do I align myself with whatever God is doing here so as to arrive there at the fullness of everything God has in mind for me slash us in this world God still loves. The geographical where thus becomes a metaphor for why and how I am meant to live this one wild and precious life. A metaphor for the what of a life well lived, that is a life lived in congruence with the destiny, the destination of all things. And Thomas is saying, honestly, I just don't feel like I have enough information for that yet. And Jesus is saying, hear him out. Sure you do. I've been showing you everything you need to get there. Not a checklist of Rights and wrongs, not a clear-cut set of requirements for transacting your own salvation from God's wrath, not a map, exactly, but a way, a way of being that harmonizes completely with God's own cosmic directionality, the arc that this moral universe is traversing slowly but surely toward the state of justice, the state of shalom, the state of belonging and abundance and reparations and equity and reconciliation that God has in mind for everybody and everything. See, you don't have to do all of that, Jesus says. You don't have to do all of that. Just, just do like I've done. Just live one life in congruence with that future. Follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. This is, I am, how you get to the very heart 
of very God. Now, if one were to take this claim of Jesus's, that he is the way, truth, life, that there's no other way to get to the Father, Mother, God except through him, and twist that claim into a weapon with which to bludgeon non-Christians with the threat of hell, if one were to wrest this way, truth, life metaphor by which Jesus self-identified to the people who knew him best and turn that metaphor into a self-congratulatory victory whoop for those who are lucky enough to have been born Christian and smart enough to hold on to that advantage, well, that would just be silly and mean. Because neither Jesus nor John's community is here making a global statement about the singularity of Christianity. Indeed, just a few chapters ago in that metaphor about sheep and shepherding and sheep corrals and sheep gates, remember, Jesus subtweeted that he has other sheep not of this fold. Opening up the possibility that, I don't know, he actually cares for people who don't belong to what eventually became the Christian religion? Shocker, I know. And that the salvific work of his life, death, and resurrection might indeed be effective beyond the narrow boundaries of our own community of belonging. Imagine that. Jesus sure did. But for the anxious people in John 14 not just followers, but friends of his, for whom his living presence has upended everything they thought they knew for sure, leaving them feeling wobbly and vertiginous, slightly nauseated by the disorientation of losing your religion. He offers a word of comfort, a word of confidence. You know me, so you know the way. You know me, so you know the destination. You know me, so your life has a destiny, and all you got to do is start living toward that. Like, it matters. Like, like, God is waiting patiently and proudly for you to get home. One of the questions we've been asking from the very beginning of Galileo Church's life, starting way back in 2013 is, how are we going to do church if we have let go of all the things we thought were required to be a good church? <laughs> what patterns of life will we develop if we start from scratch? What rule for our decision making? What direction for our expenditures of time and energy and money? If there's no predetermined end goal for our togetherness, if there's no traditional infrastructure that we feel pressured to replicate, how will we know what to do? I.e., we want to want what God wants, but how do we know what God wants for us for now? To which Jesus has already said something like, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
or to translate John 14, 1 a bit differently, don't be anxious about what to do. Trust God. Trust me too. And while Galileo Church is no more proficient at trusting God for our life with God than any of us are individually, I can testify that over the last eight years or so, we have more times than not found our imperfect trust wholly vindicated. Meaning, we have suffered the anxiety of the deconstruction, of the not knowing, of the uncertainty of our newfound faith, the kind of faith that actually is trust because nothing about it is certain or taken for granted anymore. And we have received the grace of reformation, of restoration of spiritual strength of recalibration of our direction such that we find ourselves surprised and delighted by God hiding around the corners all along the way. I know I've told you all this story before. Come on, it's been eight years. (laughs) But it's a parable that I think bears repeating. Galileo Church did not begin in 2013 with the missional priority of doing justice for LGBTQ folks. But we did begin with an intention to be explicitly welcoming of queer beloveds. We just weren't exactly sure what that would look like on the ground. You know what I mean? So, somebody, spitballing, said, we should walk in the Tarrant County Pride Parade next month. Like, as a church. Believe me when I tell you that had never occurred to me. That a church could be part of a pride event. It had also not occurred to Tarrant County Pride as they were skeptical of our application and grilled us hard to make sure we weren't planning a Christian anti-gay ambush on their parade. You can hardly blame them. Early on the morning of the parade, my spouse Lance and I were getting ready at our dual bathroom sinks, brushing teeth and hair and doing that kind of self-examination that comes with each new day. And we were wearing our brand new, brightly colored Galileo t-shirts, proclaiming from the back that we are not the center of the universe. Our kids were wearing theirs too, getting ready to come with us to our family's first ever pride parade. I looked at Lance's reflection in the bathroom mirror, and he looked back, and I said, Honey dog, we are not where we started. Understand, we both grew up in fundagelical churches, churches that we loved or at least felt at home in, until we didn't. We had been through a great deconstruction some years before ourselves, but we apparently were not through with that demolition. Honey dog, we are not where we started, I say. No, he replies with a mouthful of toothpaste. We are not. Brush, 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 spit. I ask his reflection, still foaming at the mouth. Thanks be to God. And he says, back to mine, 
Thanks be to God. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, he is not saying that Christianity is a destination, nor that there's a settled set of doctrines he's promoting for our intellectual ascent. He is not saying that there is a way to arrive at righteousness or even rightness when it comes to God. He's saying this life with him is a journey and it's complicated and you can get lost in that maze, but, but he is here to empathize with your fear and take your hand and lead you in the way you ought to go. You'll be home before you know it. That's why we've included among our habits or practices or commitments or aspirations for co-conspirators a pledge to participate in the church's discernment for our next steps together. It's a commitment to the way a commitment to the way, the truth, the life that Jesus was and is. It's an admission that we don't have everything all figured out, nor do we expect to, because what we've got is a way, not a map. It's a promise that our church, and indeed my own life, will be different now that you are here. It's an invitation for your voice to be heard, for your experiences to matter, for your testimony to be believed, for your ideas to be taken seriously, because discernment of the way, the truth, the life, is all of our work, all of ours, together. I have nightmares about getting lost in doctor's offices. But I don't have any such psychic disturbances when I think about Galileo Church and its future, when I dream about our future together. And I'm thinking that would make Jesus happy, <laughs> he of the do not let your hearts be troubled trope, he of the I am the way insistence. We are not where we started, church. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to galileochurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace. Peace.